Welcome back to You Never Forget Your First, the podcast where we explore directors' first films. Yo, 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 yo. What's going on? Welcome to Far Too Long. Welcome. Well, it's been a long while, hasn't it? It's been... It's been a while. It's been a week. No, not that long. Not even a week. (laughs) Ooh. How's everyone doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little ropey. I mean, uh, you dragged us here at nine a.m. I'm hungover, <laughs> man. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. It's not nine a.m. So, what's everyone been watching recently? Uh, movie-wise, well, I, we I, watched, I watched I watched a little bit of uh, of what we were supposed to watch. Yeah, twenty minutes. Yeah, you Oof. did well. Oof. Yeah. You, watched 20, you watched twenty minutes. Okay, good. Yeah, I did my best, but I get marks for trying. Yeah, oh, right. It's true. It's you not, can chime in. You can chime in for half, half a gold star. I get a prize for third place, right there. Yeah, it's true. You do. Captain Marvel. I watched it recently. Yes, yes, that was dope. Really liked it. But right, the two right. directors for it, Ryan Fleck and Amy Bodan. Yes, I think? Anna Bodan. Anna Bodan. Anna Bodan. Sorry. They um, were like indie directors before. Yeah, I mean that's the trend. Marvel keep pushing through isn't it it's, yeah. it's just getting those indie, indie filmmakers Char- <coughs> cheap <coughs> character driven um, filmmakers right definitely definitely and that movie did, although for the most part it did feel like a big you know studio picture um, there were scenes that I was like no this is indie this, this is indie, is, yeah, indie I got filmmaking that. especially well yeah there was some like outback scenes like in a in, in like massive field space where some in like Vegas kind of yeah, yeah 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 that the indie routes the route they come across yeah for the rest of the part it was just classic Marvel I liked the scenes when she went back over her memory but I will say one thing I read a review where someone said it's part memento and I was like oh okay you've thrown <laughs> Nolan in the ring <laughs> yeah. this is this is big and then when I watched it I was like you can't just say because someone's lost their memory it's memento that's a- a- every amnesiac film no no this it's got memento a has a, a whole different flavour to it yeah. it's like a noir film I felt like that reviewer was strongly strongly sending me the wrong <laughs> the wrong signals. but I, I enjoyed it. I, thought it I thought it was cool you should watch it uh, Sparrow yeah. you'll like it mm. I'll uh, give it a crack I've got, I, I got to say I'm not the sort of person who would be like queuing around the block for another Marvel but ooh. I'll, uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll no, say yeah, no, I get it I get it I get it I mean what is it like the 21st 21st film? yes but 20 films that. since 2008 yeah I don't remember seeing wow, Iron Man as a, a kid in, uh, in, in the theatre and I was like, oh, that was dope. I was, like, I was surprised by how good it was. Yeah. Not that I was surprised because it's not like I had much expectation for this. I was a kid. Um, but by now, I'm pretty sure I'd watch every Marvel film. Why? Because I've invested 21 films in this. Yeah, it's true. I can't not stop watching them <laughs> <Yeah>. now. <laughs> is, is there any, is they there were any... the dealer. I was the junkie. Are there the any ones you haven't seen? Are you actually up to speed? I haven't seen I'm Thor The Dark speed. World. I'm up oh, to speed. The, wow. the, the forgotten uh, middle the one, th- isn't it? The forgotten it? middle one. Yeah. Dark World. Uh, and I haven't seen Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, yeah. Seen it. I want to see it's that. Good. Yeah. yeah, I heard it. It, cool. it was funny. Um, it, for me, it was a bit like, once again, it was like a t- in a lot of ways, that felt a lot tie-in as much as this Captain Marvel feels like a tie-in to Endgame. Mainly because Endgame is just such a big anticipation. Yeah. Anything you do in between now and then is going to be feel. It's going to About... feel like a tie-in. Yeah. Like anything. Did you say for the two post-credits? Uh, I said for the one. Did you? Do you know what the other one is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I every was... I got up in the cinema and everyone was still sitting there. And yeah, I was everyone like, was like, "Is there another loser? one?" <laughs> then you have to sit through the whole credits to get to this other scene. I don't get time for that. If you actually sit. If you actually sit through film minutes. credits, they are legit 10 minutes of yeah. names and yeah, companies. Time. Yeah. What else has everyone been watching? Uh, which a couple of horror films. Uh, which St. Agatha, which was an indie film. Scary. Um, it was creepy. As we found out in a previous episode, not much scares you. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Miss those days where I get scared. Um, <laughs> I guess. And then, uh, which, so St. Agatha was good. Good indie filmmaking effort. Nice. Uh, set in the 50s. Um, anything in the 50s scares the shit out of me anyways naturally because um, it's old why because <laughs> it's old okay um, and also I watched uh, The Possession of Hannah Grace which was a great little twist on Possession movies that I didn't see coming and I've seen a lot of Possession films mm. Mm. that was something yeah okay. yeah Blumhouse um, no that was that. I don't think that was Blumhouse okay um, a couple of films I did watch that were Blumhouse which were Unfriended oh uh, yeah oh uh, that's, the, that's the one where it's all um, no, that's searching. 
No, I thought, no our the, friend, it's the one where it's all on the, um, yeah, yeah, on yeah, the computer I'm, screen. Yeah, yeah. The, I got really confused those between those two before, films. Those were before searching. Search. Before search, searching was pioneering, but no, it was actually unfriended. Yeah, because uh, searching, I've heard good things about. If, if no one knows what searching is, it's it's a film all based on a computer screen. So it's like like unfriended then. Yeah, yeah. it's like a dad searching for his daughter uh, who's gone missing. Right, right. Yeah. And you you see it all from the computer screen, so you yeah. see like video calls and text. And clicks and stuff. Yeah, exactly. But. I will say this: searching did feel more like a movie, yeah. whereas whereas in front of felt like a gimmick. Why? Because in front uh, searching had much bigger scope, even though it was all playing out on a computer. I've not seen it, but it seemed like it had big narrative. Yeah, yeah, it did. Choices it, and decisions. Whereas unfriended, you know, it was. No, yeah. I, was, I was going to say it did. Unfriended did. I enjoyed it, but it did feel like a bit of a gimmick, just mm. using the yeah the, the screen. You know, all the film was on the computer screen. Yeah. There's so, so much to watch on Netflix, like all the time. Sparrow, been watching anything? I started uh, After Hours, the new uh, Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais. Show. Isn't it Afterlife? I think it's. That's, all, I think that's it, the amount of attention I, I think. Pay. It, <laughs> <laughs> I think it is Afterlife. Oof, Ricky. What? Um, no, no, it's, yeah, it, how many episodes have you in? There's six. I've watched three. Okay. Um, no, I liked it. When I saw the trailer, I'm not. I actually thought it was a film. I didn't know it was. A t- I, I I thought I thought it was a film as well. Yeah. Um, but like, then I was like, no, it's not. Yeah, it has, this is half an hour. It had the vibes of that. F- film Ricky Gervais did The Invention of Lying oh, that, was a, that was an interesting little film yeah where he where he can't not he, 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 he makes starts, up lying yeah, yeah, yeah no one else does it no yeah. one else does it yeah but it felt like it had that slice of life thing to it but actually yeah. it looks quite funny after I like Ricky Gervais uh, I just need to sit down and watch I suppose it's quite yeah. um yeah it's, it, I think it is a comedy but I would say it's a drama with comic elements um, it the, is definitely a, one of his more serious things the trailer made it look like that I can't remember we we ominously teased this director at the end of last episode. Yeah, we don't know how we teased it. So. Yeah, <laughs> we realised that we should stop doing that because yeah. no one knows what the next episode is. So the director this episode is Damien Chazelle, who's Chaz. done Whiplash, La La Land, and First Man. Yep. But we're going to go all the way back to the beginning to a little film that no one knows called Guy and Madeline on a Park Bench. His very first film in 2009, I believe. I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. So Guy and Madeline on a park bench is sort of a prelude to La La Land. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, because it's hard to watch it and not think, wow, this is where, this is kind of like a dry run for, for La La Land. Well, you say that, but at the same time in Harvard, they were developing La La Land. So that would make sense. He, when he, Damien Chazelle went to Harvard, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was developing the script for that at the same time. Same with uh, with uh, his uh, composer Julian Howitz. Justin. Yeah, Justin. Justin Howitz. Justin Howitz. So many J's. So the synopsis for Guy Madeline on a park bench is: after connecting with the shy Madeline, a jazz trumpeter embarks on a quest for a more gregarious par- paramour. For a series of twists and turns, punctuated by an original score, the two lovers seem destined to be together. So this movie is shot on sixteen mil, it's black and white. I realise that we've lost Sparrow out of, out oh, of this. I, 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 did, I did see the first you 20, saw 20 minutes. minutes. As a first, it, I mean, it's Chazelle's first feature. Just thinking about it, Chazelle, it's 2019, that was in 2009. So in 10 years, he's made three, fe- three yeah. big Leap, features. I guess this is a feature. And by the way, we're, we're, this is a, it's a feature, yeah, but it's a feature because it played in Tribeca Film Festival, which is why we're Numerous, doing it. Yeah, yeah which is why we're doing it on the pod. Yeah. For, for anyone... I imagine most people have not seen this film and the best way to describe it is it's sort of an old school MGM musical, like a big musical film mashed 16mm black and white handheld like verite, gritty, almost like document. I thought it was like shot like a documentary. Well, it's part of that style, isn't it? Yeah. So that's, I found that kind of interesting that he took huge elements of what are usually reserved for massive films yeah. musical numbers yeah, yeah. singing in the rain and yeah and then mixed it with what can you shoot for a pretty low budget you know with a minimal crew where you can just follow people on the street and you know build a narrative out of that interesting I mean watching that film yeah you're right it did feel like a documentary and it reminded me of films like uh, from Jim Jamush uh John Cassavetes, uh, even Linklater. Coffee and cigarettes, yeah. Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it reminded yeah, me of that vibes. a lot. Um, got Linklater vibes. But what threw me out, it was the fact that this is a black and white film shot in 16mm, six, six right? Mm-hmm. In 2008 or whatever. Yeah. And so it had a bit of those technology, te- new, let's say new technology per se. So like a Samsung phone. 
Um, I noticed that. threw that. me out a little bit. It's, I don't know, maybe because I'm stupid and I associate black and white with old. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, I don't know. It definitely felt like, even the bits I saw, it did feel like it was a bit older than it was. Was, yeah. It felt like it was but a let's not forget, small two, moment. 2009, really. I mean, even the, t- like, there was, a, there was a Motorola flip phone in it. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah. really dated the film. I mean, it's only 10 years old. Yeah, yeah, but like, so, okay, so that uh, 2009 is 10 years old. That The black and white uh, aspect. Feel makes it feel like it's twenty years old. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. But I get it. It, it was might have been too budgetary constraints because uh, it's obviously cheaper to to get it uh, get it scanned and whatever else. Um, so I'm not like shit on the guy for it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a cool aesthetic and uh, obviously he made it a throwback to to those old old um, MGM musicals, like you say, um, on a much smaller scale whilst trying still to elevate the movie itself by having these big huge musical numbers especially with the tap dancing a lot yeah. of tap dancing in that movie actually for us for an indie movie that's a lot of tap dancing it was a lot of t- tap dancing he left Harvard to focus on this film well, yeah because wasn't it part it's part of be, his thesis yeah, I think yeah, 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 yeah. I, don't, I don't know if this is true but the, the budget apparently was $60,000 which seems like a lot of money having seen the film yeah, it seemed like you could have filmed that on a much lower budget, but I don't know if that maybe was... it's the music. Well, apparently he they did it themselves. They did so. it themselves, and I'm yeah. thinking like maybe did he pay the act, you know, pay the actors? But then there weren't. I don't think there were a huge amount of actors in in it. Maybe it was the cost of getting the film developed and all of that. I don't know. I'm not sure where the money. Know. I don't see a where the money it, went. <laughs> Fair. Um, it might be to run out locations to film. Although yes, you could be like, oh, this is a film pro- film school film school project or whatever. Yeah. Um. So you could get away with it, but you see a lot. They had a lot of those locations where, you know, it was an interior. So yeah. in, inside restaurants, inside clubs. Yeah. Um. So maybe they had to give a little go with this, the cash, but get, it just still seems like a lot of it's money. It's excessive. Yeah. Consider consider Nolan. <laughs> there's not. Yeah. <laughs> go back to Nolan. There's just not. Um. There's not really a, a reason for it, but. I don't know. Maybe, maybe well, in talking yeah. about it, will. The it thing will... is, yeah, you don't know the reason for it. It's all speculation, right? It's all speculation. Maybe he pocketed like forty grand. That money might not even. That budget might not even be real, but it said it on Wikipedia, so I'm going to take it as the truth. Almost certainly is true. Music's a massive part of this film. I think music is yeah. seemed to be a big part of his life as well. His inspiration, especially for Whiplash, was well. It stems from him being a musician first and filmmaker second. Yeah, he wanted to be a drummer and he he couldn't. Well, right? you see. There's been a drum and there's been a jazz drum. <laughs> Way too big differences. Educate me. Well, quite only a few people can cut it being a jazz drummer. Yeah. Because um, you have to be very versatile in your timings, in your in your style. Even in the beginning of his music career, he just he knew he didn't have what it takes to be a professional jazz drummer. Yeah. So um so that's why he went back to filmmaking because you see. As a child, as a kid, he was like, "Yeah, filmmaking is what I wanted to do." Then he jumped to musicianship, and then he went back to filmmaking. And it's a great story to do as a as a feature film. Yeah, no, it's really interesting watching this because it made me. It's funny you look, you watch it, and then you think about Whiplash and La La Land, and I felt like there were a lot of similarities between. Felt like all he, three of those films. Yeah, I feel like he diced um, Guy and Maddie into two films, La La Land and Whiplash. Because, yeah, yeah he tried true. making La La Land to get off the ground. No no money was coming in for the budget. So he's like, well, you know what? I'm going to put that in a drawer and make uh, try to make Whiplash. Yeah. Although he didn't want to send it around town because by now he was in LA working as a scriptwriter. Yeah. So he's fairly well known, especially after Maddie did pretty did, well, did in, well. Tri- yeah. in Tribeca and yeah. uh, along other festivals so he was known in the industry by now although new but he was still known whilst he couldn't make La La Land he was making Whiplash after Whiplash received what like four nominations and which made the Hollywood blacklist that script 2012 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which um, is the is the list of the best unmade scripts of every year yeah so he uh, did uh, get into two production companies one of them was Bloomhouse and the other one I forget yeah, something wave films. Maybe Blumhouse and Nolan right, have right to be mentioned in every episode. Shout out! <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, I think it was right of wave films that also had a had a stake in it. So Chazelle and Justin Hurwitz, who they're both friends, they both made the original music for Guy and Madeline on a park bench, and then Justin, I believe, made the music for La La Land. Did he make music for like most of his films? I think so. Yeah, he like, did the first man, or was that? 
Um, he was not, a composer on the first man, I think. I'm not actually sure, but I know I, I know for La La Land, he won an Oscar, I think, for original score. Um, and it's really interesting watching their, I don't know, their beginnings, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Both of them working together and like, and Chazelle writing the lyrics for the songs. And from like completely two different backgrounds. I mean, And they were good. It was good music and Guy and Madeline. And it wasn't bad music at all. I think music is such a big part of indie filmmaking. It's always hard to find a good track. It's always hard to kind of, I think the sound side of stuff is, is sometimes yeah, yeah, overlooked yeah. on shorter, on, on shorter films. Yeah. So to have a story that's centered around it and then actually have it become almost like a narrative kind of device that they would jump back to. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was interesting. So having said that, you, you could say that three of Chazelle's uh, films are literally based on music first. Mm narrative plot point second yeah because it's it's all uh la la land obviously they both had a love for music then they were in relationship uh whiplash um uh, jk simmons's character yeah and miles teller's uh character both had passion for uh, for jazz jazz first yeah. first and their respect came second yeah later way late in the movie yeah um and same with matt uh well in matt in guy and maddie's case spoiler sparrow <laughs> yes spoilers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good, good shout uh, spoilers um, in the beginning you see that um, they bo- they both uh, share although she she's not very much into music yeah, she, she still respects him for and she shares the passion things. through yeah, him exactly because yeah. she later down the line she learns another instrument right yes so she tries to carry on that flame with her yeah right? and funny thing you spot that cameo by Chazelle yeah, the I drumming. did. The drummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. When he appeared, when he appeared, I was just so taken out. Yeah, it was like what? <laughs> a behind the scenes shot because it's it got such like, a documentary. Yeah, it looked yeah. like he was just actually watching the scene. <laughs> he turns up in the film and teaches. He's teaching her how to drum. Right, and that's the only shot of him you see, though. Like yeah. that one shot of watching him. Yeah, he watches her. Sorry. Yeah, he watches her, and then the rest of him you see his hands just drumming. You don't yeah. see his face ever again. Whiplash prelude. The editing in this film really confused me. I I felt I wasn't a fa- I I really wasn't I was a fan of so much so many bits of this film, but the editing around their relationship, which you might have got a taste, well, you definitely got a taste of in the first ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. I just got a bit lost and I was with confused who, a bit. Yeah, with who was meant to be with who, and this the scene with this older guy who follows. I don't think you might have got to it, but the the older guy follows the girl down the road and and then he goes to her house and he, she goes she to, his house, to his house where, where the daughter finds them as well. yeah because he says oh my wife's always away and I just want someone to talk to and I've got a 12 year old daughter come back to my house and it's once like, he gets okay. it it's like, he's like why are you here daughter yeah. <laughs> that was weird it was like why are you making this weirder but then they all hung out well that's the thing I think uh, the point was he was that he actually wanted to have sex with her but do you it, think? Yeah, because then w- when he... Uh, when, when he came he, home and the daughter and he sees was there. Her, it's like, you should tell me. When you're here. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, do you, why does he need to tell you that? But it was just a strange... Why did that have to be part of the narrative? Um, it's it's mainly how um, it shows Elena's character, um, how she doesn't have much respect um, for... What was the guy's name? I want to say it starts with a J. Guy. Yeah. It's not Guy. Guy Madeline on a park bench. Yeah, it's Guy. It, Who's that one guy? Let's call him Guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he is called Guy. <laughs> he called me called Guy. I think so. No, no, I doubt that. Um, either way, it, that scene just shows how how little respect she has for for him and yeah. for their relationship. You're talking about you're talking about the main guy. Yeah, Jim. yeah. Okay, mothers, fathers, do not call your kids <laughs> Guy. <laughs> It's yeah. like it's like calling your daughter chick. Guess what? The first thing my lead is called Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, um, um, yeah. So it shows how little respect she she has from. Because uh, remember, at the beginning of the film, she is this promiscuous kind of girl. Yeah, she was like watching this guy throw what was it uh, bowling pins in the air, oh, and she yeah. kind of gives him his number or some, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. true. That's true. Um, Maybe confusing some sh- some shit here because I was like watching through sleepy eyes. I was very tired. Yeah. Either way, no, that that did happen. Um, I can so, confirm. Yeah, but then, and then so then his former girlfriend she tries to do the same thing but never clicks. Yeah, that's why that's why it, they kind of draw back together. Yeah, because um, he thought he found what what he kind of wanted like this adventurous girl, but she seems to be a for lack of a better word not, word. For, not for him not for him yeah. yeah and and then she tries to do the same but she's just not that kind of person she goes back to her roots 
uh, of being with him. So that's why she learns the drum, and that's why she essentially wants to move to New York. Yeah, right. And because he goes and knocks for her, and she's yeah. not there. That was weird. That, that was weird. I felt the editing was was a bit strange. That was. I think that was the biggest letdown. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. me. I was gonna say my um. Before we go on to more about Chazelle, is my favorite scene in the whole film, which which happens in La La Land. So in La La Land, there's a scene when Gosling is playing the piano in the jazz club, and the camera whip pans to the to him, and then it whip pans to the jazz. Uh, oh yeah, I know. Saxophone or yeah, trumpet yeah, yeah, yeah. guy, and then it whip pans back, and it whip pans back. Which, by the way, I saw behind the scenes of that, and Chazelle standing right behind. The camera guy just tapping on his shoulder whenever he wants him to move. Yeah, he really is. Control of the shot, yeah. Um, In Guy and Madeline, there's that scene Uh, when the guy's tap dancing in the room. The long hair guy, yeah. 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 That scene is so cool. I I really like that scene. He comes out of the room and whip pans to Guy, who's on the trumpet, and then whip pans to the guy's tap dancing, and they kind of speak to each other through... Yeah, and these guys are completely in other rooms, uh, and it's a call and response type uh, type of thing, musically speaking. Um, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, You do tap dancing... Yeah, yeah. Do a bit of yeah, yeah, and it was very trumpet. cool because um, where he was tap dancing, it was a bit dark. I was, I'm always interested because obviously he's used a 60 millimeter, uh, but where guy uh, plays uh, plays right, it's oh, in very the, in light the, in the yeah. little room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very uh, illuminated and stuff. Uh, so it was interesting how they managed to to Fit match that all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not like blown out of blown out. I really like that he just read did that again in La La Land I yeah, think that's cool it just shows it his shows DNA his yeah. DNA is in this film and it shows confidence yeah absolutely to think, to absolutely. think that because it's a, I can it, keep pulling this off yeah and it's like it's not just a camera move I think it's it's trying to it's, put the camera in a way that speaks a bit of musical language as well yeah 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 and I, it's uh, well there's a lot that goes into it you can't just like whip the camera in it. no yeah so it's, it's all about timing here as well yeah because it's it's happening live, so you have to time it perfectly, or you're gonna or, or you're gonna be keep doing that for like um, yeah, you're gonna keep missing it. Yeah, I uh, there was a review that read of the film that said um out of it was something like out of all the films this year that were that was at the festival, something like the best five minutes that you'll see in the cinema is that scene. Yeah, it was really cool. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, for me as well. I wish I knew the time code of it because I would tell people to just. Yeah, find yeah. the film and skipped it's also probably ha- around like 45 but it also happens out of nowhere because the guy the scene opens up with him just talking just talking just, yeah. yeah chapping it up with yeah. the, whatever guys with the girl. like, girls and guys in yeah. the room and then he just starts tap dancing yeah it's, it's so good it's, su- it's such a, a feel good scene to go back to Sparrow's earlier point about it being a bit slow I don't think it it, it never the film never really speeds up no, okay. of course not it, but that scene even, when he, even with the tap dancing well that, that's what I mean there's certain musical numbers really make it you know give, give it energy give some tempo. but then the bits with him in the relationship yeah, yeah, I yeah. lost interest again and I really wanted to understand the editing with that budget yeah <laughs> well that's where the budget went I suppose over editing <laughs> now yeah. we have the hindsight of La La Land yeah 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 Whiplash now you watch it with appreciation if you'd watched it without any of those knowing not knowing what it was going to go on and do yeah I think we would have disregarded it more probably I, I don't know. I mean, mate, once again, it came out in 2009, 2009. What, what kind of films did you see? He's, Transformers came out last summer, yeah. 2008, if I'm correct. 2007, Either way. So you were having these big blockbusters, right? This film went underrated in 2009. No one yeah. saw it. Um, like, I don't think. Yeah, I think it was released by Cinema Guild straight to DVD. This was a fr- uh, breath of fresh air, in a way. Yeah. In a big way, like La La Land was when it, when it came out. Right? Yeah, nothing else like cause it. Because I remember seeing... Uh, a snippet of a review saying like oh nobody makes these films uh, films like this anymore he just made this type of film back in 2009 back in 2009 you just missed it I think that's the thing though isn't it if if you make a film you need to get people to see it otherwise what's the point in, in making it that's true getting it, the word out there I mean people are, like us are rediscovering Guy Madeline on Park Bench yeah yeah, yeah. his I mean, I'm sure we did try and get it out there no, well, it played at Tribeca Film Festival, so you know yeah. it was yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure lots of films played. That's the thing with 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 festivals because there's so many movies at the same time. It's something's bound to get through the cracks. It's cool to have read a review that picked out on that scene that you've also picked up on as well. Yeah, that kind of that was, goes for me. That was the most memorable one. I think that was that's what really lights up the 
the new up-and-coming talent. It's not exactly the overall film, but it's just those pockets that really represent the the director because he keeps keeps coming back to that scene yeah. in his later films, anyways. Exactly. Which so, I th- and even the scene I was going to say in the diner when Madeline is working late. Oh yeah. <laughs> and there's a whole scene where all of the staff they get, kind of break out as they well. break out and yeah, get on yeah, the yeah. tables yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. A, it's actually the biggest scene of, of the f- well, biggest musical Six, scene of the film at least 20 grand sank into that one yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he follows them and it's one camera as well remember yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. he follows them and they're all tap dancing and she's it's getting into well the thing it's cool yeah, sure. it's, 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 it's one long shot yeah yeah. I don't think there's a. I don't think there's a cut in it. Or I if mean, it, or it, if it does, that that weird editing really duped us. Yeah, that's where <laughs> the money went. That's where the, bu- that's where yeah. the budget went. Now we know. Sparrow, we have a question. I think I know what this is going to be. Okay. Oh, in, sorry. So you're you going to you? ask me a question. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be. Oh, no, sorry, yeah, no. This is why. No, so we this have is, qu- question time yeah, presented so, by Sparrow. Yeah. So Laura, Laura has emailed in. Do you think Chazelle has made his best film already? No, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I mean, you can never know because we don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You try to answer in the capacity you do that. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say no, mainly because for three, including Guy and Maddie, Mm. um, he explored the same kind of of movie, very musically driven. Um, But although they had, it was in different genres. One was romantic, romantic, like love story, Mm. even though they don't end up together. And I know, liked that. Yeah, same. Uh, obviously, then the other one had uh, was Whiplash. Still, um, almost like a thriller, really. Um, in, in, at parts, um, yeah. how intense it gets, but still very musical driven. And obviously, Maddie, Maddie is like a love story again. Yeah, um, it's a mini version of, of La La Land. Yeah, uh, but then well, Whiplash he, kind of had scope to be a love story, but then he like kind of sacks it off in, in pursuit of his. Yeah. Career. Well, that's what makes it like all that more like. Um, I suppose uh, that much of a thriller is the fact that literally you you don't know what he's going to do next now because mm. he everything was going so great he was actually getting good at school and stuff he, and this relationship was going good and mm. now he's like you know what? I need Just to focus on drums even more yeah, now yeah, yeah. Yeah. to answer this question I was going to say like what you could talk about best for ages and you start thinking about like what does best mean and then you start kind of thinking about like what does best mean for that director Whiplash for me for me it was his best film I think it was so his, far yeah his best film so far I, I feel like it was so different and so knockout and had so many scenes in it that were really unexpected it's hard to put that next to something like First Man which I, I was a don't get me wrong it's, it is a good movie but I was a little bit let down for me it wasn't his movie yeah it's his first time he's done something which isn't with like music, music. at his heart yeah I, I, actually that's that, true something that occurred to me is like so he's, try, he's tried his hand with first he's done first man which is a, a biopic or it's about a real person yeah his other main movies are um musically driven mm. so maybe somewhere down the line if he brings together a biopic of a musician that could, yeah, be, it could where, be interesting that could be where he comes Sounds, in i mean he's certainly be qualified for, the, fact for the jab mm. the reason why i think first man just didn't feel like it was his film he didn't write it josh singer did um mm. so he and josh singer went on the biopic biopic parts of it so the yeah. book was already written obviously Chazelle met with uh, I think he met or was it Gosling one of those met with Armstrong whilst he was still alive um, right. so you know it doesn't it doesn't feel like his movie it feels like a studio movie to get his movie done Whiplash and um, and Guy and Madeline something, something, but La La Land they all had quite a lot of emotion in them and I know that the point of First Man was to show a man stripped of emotion I think that was yeah. kind of what yeah, it was yeah, going yeah, for true. yeah I found it hard to to get on board with him, you know. As as we all do, we all read around films and stuff. I did read a really interesting re- review, that, not just of the film, but of Neil Armstrong. Yeah. And as he was saying, if you look on a timeline, that period where he was trying to go to the moon and there was all of that was so intent. Like the way he was during that time, I'm not sure it was a representation of him as a person overall. Yeah. yeah but yeah. because the film went in on that that, that sliver, yeah, yeah, which did give it that kind of cold edge which well, I think is what I maybe think, it yeah, needed it was, it was needed and uh, you know it was only after he came back that he had this whole new appreciation yeah um, obviously his uh, his kid died before that so that's already like yeah. a big big push part, big push and big part of him that's you know already and he lost a lot of friends along the way as well yeah, yeah there was this uh, yeah. apparently in the car where Claire Foy's character his uh Armstrong's wife says that I think I think she says something along the lines of like we're getting good at funerals yeah oh yeah 
Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, a dark yeah. sentence. The space stuff was filmed on IMAX. Yeah. And the the running around the house and all the kind of more down to earth yeah, literally yeah. scenes <laughs> were on sixteen mil, which takes him back to Guy and Madeline a bit. So true. What I loved about the documentary aspect of that, thinking about Chazelle's director now, is that that felt of the era as yeah. well. Also of, uh, of uh, the sixties. Um as far as Chazelle says well, he's the director, so, so yes, he's that's where the buck stops. But um, apparently, they didn't use any green screen. I heard this as well. Yeah, they apparently, they used like a full Nolan. Yeah, yeah, like they just went. They actually went to the moon. <laughs> love it, love it on a budget as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently, they just used projections. Um, uh, like in the sixties, where they would just put, like you know those cheesy ones where a guy drives a car oh, and, and behind project- him is like a projection of him yeah. going down the road. I've actually seen. Uh, apparently, that's what it was. Yeah, I seen the uh, making of Interstellar, and Nolan did that in some of the Ranger shorts. You have this kind of projection. Stanley Kubrick. For me, it comes back down to Clockwork Orange where they're all in the car. Um, yeah. Um, is it him and his droogs, is it? Yeah, yeah, in the car. And they're, obviously, they're all hanging out in the car, really. But um, they're going at going like to the milk bar. Yeah, 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 100 miles per hour. And it's just like a projection behind them. <laughs> Kubrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kubrick. So, yeah. <laughs> that is. He's 32 years old. He's got best director win. Yeah, true. Pretty, pretty impressive. impressive. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. You've pretty kind impressive. Of, you forget <laughs> yeah, how forget, forget how young he is. I suppose when he made you do because he's always so fucking serious. Yeah, when he was 20, the jazz man. When he was twenty two, he, he must have been twenty two when he made Guy and Madeline then, because that's ten years ago. Yeah, and he won give that. Or take. Yeah, give, give or take. take. Yeah. No, he's very he's very accomplished. I mean, um, so he won uh, best screenplay. I think was for Whiplash. Yes, I think so. I think so. So you know, and that was like a couple of years before La La Land. Yeah. So at thirty, so he already has a, an Oscar in his belt. I remember watching a, a director's roundtable, and Oliver Stone was sitting next to Chazelle. I bet he was just fucking jealous. Well, it was, <laughs> he was really funny because he said, uh, "Oh, Whip, he didn't know that Whiplash was Chazelle's first first film." Yeah. So he was he was like, "Oh, was it was it your first film?" He's like, "Yeah." He was like. He was like, damn, that's like your first Fuck, film. that's my competition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just just as a general thing with Chazelle, like, I mean, I don't know what, I've got a vague idea what you guys think, but um, I like him overall. I've never been the biggest fan of La La Land. Oh. But I'll second that. When I first saw it, I was a bit like childish and I was like, oh, I hate it. Blah, 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 blah. Awful. It's romance. I don't like it. I kind of softened a bit. That was That was a bit of a rash. Thing is, I was missold it. I was told, well, I missold BPI. I was, I was, I was missold the pitch. Have you been I, affected? I was told La La Land was going to be something with like I thought there was going to be some real, some big twist or some big reveal, and I was like waiting for it. I didn't really want to see a musical. Mm. I, didn't, I kind of walked in there not knowing what it was. Yeah, and I walked out and I was like, never again. Wait, but, that, but that was just that was uh, unfortunate. That that is yeah. terrible that you were waiting for a reveal in a romance movie. What did you expect? That she's a killer. Well, no, this is this is the thing. I, I was. Hey, told- you've seen Jerry Maguire. <laughs> we've, got, we've got some big emotional reveals in that. When I, when I went, I was like, it "Doesn't sound like my sort of thing." And then someone said, "Well, actually, there's. It's meant to be really good. There is some kind of the ending's meant to have something." And I was like, "Okay, yeah. well, I'll, what did you think of I'll the give end? it a go?" Um, the kind of non-romantic, yeah, but kind of bittersweet romance, right? I don't know how you describe it. I liked it. I really liked it. I, liked I really it. liked how they didn't go down the Hollywood. Yeah, ending. he apparently had a he had trouble Spar- pitching this one. Spar- just like frozen. What do I think about this? I, I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't no. like it. But this is the thing. I don't. I don't. I don't want to slate it because no. it, it is a good film. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. just. It's just. But not I'm intrigued. Why, wh- overall, the film wasn't for me. But I did love the jazz music in it, especially Ryan Gosling's piano bits. Yeah, they were. That's great. the bit that really. Yeah. I did like that. Yeah, that was good. I thought the cinematography in La La Land was exceptional. Yeah, it was dope. Uh, the bit where they. Just just outside of Griffith um, Griff- Observatory, Griff- yeah. Um, it's, Griffith. <laughs> it seems so fake. Like I thought it was genuine green green screen because and it's real. It actually actually yeah. is real. Those scenes like, at the top so of there are, are yeah, like really well timed and well shot. And uh, apparently, only had like uh, about two. I think it was two to five hours to film on that drive. Yeah. Um, and they only had like, yeah, I think they had two hours on the drive and about five hours inside observatory to film but you know talking about this is making me think that actually with guy and madeline there's timing of yeah a lot of the scenes yeah, yeah, yeah. must have actually been quite difficult for a first time filmmaker i know i don't know how many crew he had assume well if the budget's true he had loads of people i assume he, <laughs> I assume he didn't but 
is to think that he timed everything like you were saying with the whip pan and also yeah. the dyna scene which I know you didn't get to but is is much larger scale than anything else in the film and the, yeah I mean those, the choreography on on those is just like what the fuck it's 16 millimeter as well so it's not just like getting out is it in dick. focus yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's your worry he must have had some confidence going into La La Land knowing yeah. that he'd already made a feature before that was apparently Miles Teller yeah, was similar meant to be DNA. yeah apparently Miles Teller was meant to be in that but and Emma and uh, Watson. Emma, Emma Watson. Watson. Yeah. Do you know this? No. Miles no, Teller and Emma Watson. Which makes sense. Miles Teller is the guy from yeah, Whiplash. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's less of a typical looker than Ryan Gosling, though. So I don't know. Miles. Like, yeah. I yeah. would say so. True. Yeah. True. He looks. He, Ryan, I, I Ryan Gosling like, fits the bill better, looks wise. I think. Well, you know, Gosling and Chazelle have got got a bromance going on. Yeah, there is some serious bromance. There's going bromance. On there. I mean, I'm wondering yeah. whether Chazelle's next film is going to have Gosling in. But Third time you lucky. say that, um, but like remember Nicholas Wine and Refn, he had uh, Drive, and then he had Only God Forgives, and also Only God. I've Forgives. never seen it. Only God Forgives, but the amount of I did. I watched in spite of it. I the front like, cover looks cool though. Yeah, the criticism that film the cinematography on that film was so good. But then they haven't actually, made a film since, huh? They haven't made a film since. Together, no. Uh, he's uh, he's Nicholas is making a TV series with Miles Teller. Ah, so the oh. switch, eh? <laughs> Full circle. i got time yeah. for Nicholas. Denmark represent. I think we talked about this earlier, but Chazelle was actually a writer for hire before... Yeah, he was trying to make a name for himself a little bit. So he wrote 10 Cloverfield Lane, or he was one of the writers? He was on... one of the writers, because there was four writers on there. Yeah. Three or four writers on there. Right. Um, and, yeah. So, he, so he's, he, he was knows actually... his way around a script. Yeah, and he was also pitched to actually direct that film. But he chose. I think he chose. I think he chose Whiplash over it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. good choice. Yeah, good choice. choice. Smart man. I I enjoyed um, Cloverfield Lane. Same, same. It was good. good. It was good. It's worth a watch. Teen Eleven. I'm not ten. I just like. (laughs) I just like where Cloverfield is going at the moment. I like it, and I think I'm the only one that likes where it's going. Um, but yeah, Shazel, 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 how you doing? Shaz, Shazel, how you doing? Yeah, so he also wrote that Last Exorcism movie. Of Emily Which, Rose. No, no, no. Like just the Last, Last Ex- Exorcism Part 2, I think I mean, it was right. called. And I, I remember I lo- that movie. I lost, I lost count on those films. <laughs> no, not me. I like possession movies. Mainly because uh, my brother's scared of ghosts. I don't know <laughs> whether he believes in them or not. Yeah. <laughs> like, ghosts you did in inverted commas, just so everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we keep watching those. Um, anyways, that film, I had no idea that he wrote it. Um, but watching that film now, I'm like... Yeah, it makes more sense because that movie was a bit better than your usual possession films, especially yeah. with Exorcist. Because um, had that movie had uh, this preacher, like in US, preachers are big, like they, they actually make a lot of money actually. Right. So you got this guy who's trying to debunk uh, this preacher who's trying to debunk um, exorcism. Right. Uh, but then he gets fooled, and this is an actual exorcism. <laughs> 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 so like, did, yeah, you, did is... you feel Chazelle's did, Ch- did Chazelle write that whole film I'm not sure if he wrote the whole film but I'm sure he did rewrites on that right but it structurally it just felt much more coherent and more inventive than your usual fucking possession okay films. so maybe his, his maybe search. yeah maybe because yeah he knows his way around the script so yeah. maybe he had those those um, aspects going yeah. on for him I was just looking at the cinematographer of Whiplash is, yeah. is someone called Sharon Meyer who's done Rings Ooh. cinematography and Rings it's quite interesting because then obviously Linus Sangren is um, is his DP on La La Land and on First Man but it's so differently lit those two films so differently lit I really liked the cinematography on Whiplash massive respect for that film because the poster for it that ran in the tube <sighs> that was so dope was him standing on, on a the, drumstick on the end it? of the drumstick yeah. and I thought it's just that's the kind of poster you see an independent yeah, yeah, graphic designer make online yeah. and they, you know, it doesn't run. But to yeah, know yeah. that ran, I was like, I hope that Chazelle had a hand in that. Yeah, yeah. No, that was sick. I really like that post, actually. Because anything, anything like, I don't know, if, even if they did just a drum kit, like a photograph of a drum kit, I would be like, ah, I don't give a shit about that. Yeah. But that just shows yeah. how it's intense. A, and it was like against yeah. the orange backdrop. Back, yeah. I love the orange so it was lighting like, in that It film. was so, it, it really it falls into your eye. Anyway, yeah. just by glancing over it, you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. And what, What's more interesting for me is also that it's a Bloomhouse film. Whiplash. Yeah. Yeah. It's just well, like he's, he's kind of got he's got horror thriller elements in some bits, well, right? No, you've got, yeah, got the like, blood on his hands. We did say the, that it, it it does feel like a thriller with like musical elements. Yeah. But it's just like you know, just just Bloom get in there. Just Bloom just like 
He knows it. Yeah, I know. He's got a good foresight for these kind of things. Yeah, I which, think which makes him such a good producer nowadays. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can look at Whiplash and understand why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blum no, he's on it. Yeah, it's yeah. just got that same feeling as a lot of their other. When films. watching that though, I remember seeing his like uh, the logo at the beginning. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> this guy made it again. <laughs> Yeah, because at the time, like a bunch of Purge movies just come out and stuff. Like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Yeah, the Purge has gone on quite long. First Purge is great, though. I was just looking up his future projects. He's got some Apple TV series coming up. That's no been really on the books for years. For years. No one knows what's fuck. going on about it. I think it's actually starting to go into production. But he's got this other thing. The Eddie. The Eddie, yeah. with this TV series. That's also been going on for years. Well, apparently, that is actually being made now, I think. Yeah, yeah. The Eddie. The Eddie. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's a French club owner deals with the everyday chaos of running a live music venue in the heart of Paris. Sounds up his street. Yeah, yeah. well, he, he's been wanting to make a film in Paris for years now. Yeah. Read an interview that he's like literally been drawn to that for, since La Is La he f- part French? Yeah. He yeah. He's, I think go. on his dad's side. Damien Chazelle. Pascal. He's out. Boom. Oh, no, he's gone. Ah, he's gone. Damn. This was his <laughs> domain. <laughs> He'll come back. That's fine. We'll get him back. I mean, I don't think Chazelle's got any feature films lined up. I mean, he just cooled off from first man. I just think it's nuts that the film about Neil Armstrong has not been made before, if it has. It was made by Kubrick, The Moon Landing. Oh! oh. Okay, okay. Okay. Controversy. Dun, dun. Put your tinfoil hats on now, please. Oh, actually, mentioning this, there's a new documentary coming out called uh, Apollo 11. Oh, yeah, that looks that looks. Where this, It's really interesting. This, this documentary filmmaker has unearthed these roles of... 70 millimeter which is what IMAX footage yeah. is and it shows in the trailer yeah and he's he's found these roles and no one's ever seen them and it's like actual recording from the day of because um, Apollo 11 is what landed on the moon but when you watch the footage back it looks like it was filmed yesterday like the quality yeah, of it is so insane it's a portal into the past I remember someone I read somewhere that someone asked him I think Apollo 11 is coming out very soon but from the date of this podcast but um, someone asked him like oh were you were you thinking like you might go deep into like a NASA basement and go through all these 200 films no one's ever seen and see like, yeah, yeah. you know, some... Aliens. Yeah, or, or like see that that was shot in a movie set and he was like, oh, obviously we were hoping to like maybe find something, but like we didn't and then it wasn't a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> should we just ditch the project or should we just go with these 70 mil rolls yeah. that we just fucking yeah, found? Well, there's like, there's one missing, uh, you know. Uh, you know, 20 minutes we went missing. The moon went dark, as yeah. they say. <laughs> <laughs> but with, the, with First Man, I mean, yeah, everyone everyone knows he landed on the moon, but the, the build up to it and all the kind of tragedies and stuff, like I don't think, well, yeah. I had no idea about the Me kind neither. of... Well, see, the thing is... That's why there was a story to tell, I guess. Yeah, and the fact that what happened on the moon... Because, you know, when he went to the left crater, that wasn't yeah. a plan. He was not meant to go there. Yeah. That's what it's, nobody knows. That, I need to rewatch the film, but I remember finding it seriously grating when the music that was playing when they yeah, were coming into land on the moon. <laughs> and it, it just stopped. T- <laughs> it just took me out. So I was just, to be honest, I think I was just upset that something from Interstellar wasn't playing over the top. So, it's, 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 it's ironic <laughs> that the, the music in a Chazelle film upset you. Justin Hurwitz again. Was it? Yeah, yeah. His old boy. Yeah, his old boy. Um, but apparently, so I read that when, so you know when they land on the moon, mm. and so you got this music and they're talking, yeah, and yeah. Like, but once they actually go on the moon, it's like dead silence, because that's what's meant to be on the moon. Uh, in the test screening, somebody shouted out, where's the fucking sound? <laughs> I'm like, it's meant to be like that, idiot. And apparently other people got confused as well. That's so funny. Like, it just shows you how dumb people are. And it was filmed in a quarry as well. Apparently had this massive ass lamb that blew out, like the biggest ever used in production wow. to, uh, to show up the sun right yeah, <laughs> and yeah. blew out yeah what well, is it oh, like the, actually the smashed yeah it just fucking blew out yeah. should we move on to Vimeo Shorts of the Week <laughs> Shazam back to Shazam <laughs> so the first one is um let's go with House Call first yeah. because this was really interesting by someone called Josh Soskin it's a four minute uh, short film which is I mean, without well, you can't really talk about this without giving it away, can you? Because yeah, so spoilers ahead. Spoilers so ahead. So go watch it and then come back, please. Go, yeah, go watch it and, and and it's only four minutes long. It is hilarious. Watch it while you're listening. It's the same thing. Basically, a, a policeman in a car. You think that he's a think cop. That, I yeah. think the, the description in in the thing says uh, disgraced. 
police officer. Disgraceful, right? Which so even more misleading. Disgraceful police setup. officer. You see him kind of psyching himself up in the mirror, and then he gets out of the car, and someone, someone then says, "You know, my, that person stole my dog. Can yeah. you go and get it?" And he, I, I thought he hesitated, which I thought was quite strange, yeah. but I went along with it, maybe because he's unconfident in whatever yeah, you've seen in the scene before. And then he ends up tackling this guy to the ground <laughs> and his was, clothes come off in the process. <laughs> Apparently he says, he's, why are you oiled? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the guy that he's tackling to the ground is like, yeah, why are you oiled? And, and this guy's uh, actually seriously muscly, so he actually looks like a stripper. He's a stripper. That's yeah. why his clothes get ripped off. Yeah, yeah. Like, so he's got plastic handcuffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, <laughs> yeah. Like, but it's just... It's, as a setup for that film, I was like, wow. I think the, the, the Steadicam show when they fall over and his clothes immediately come off and the guy's <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> that's literally brilliant. the audience reaction right there I what? think as a as a short for me it had a had a great setup yeah. it was it was funny and it, it was a great setup and great payoff the way it was shot <laughs> it was great also it looked stupid cinematic for that kind of fucking film yeah like oh, why do you need so yeah. 60 grand budget yeah, yeah. she's only again Je- yeah, yeah. if you want it a good, good laugh check out House Call by Josh Soskin yeah and these are all on Vimeo all on Vimeo yeah and the second one is uh, Life of a Barber by Joji Baratelli, I yeah, think. Yeah, I hope I'm saying that right. This was a bit more of a documentary piece, wasn't it? it was yeah, it was kind of, of harking back to like Chazelle's movie as well. So, you yeah. know, where life moves slowly and more yeah. realistically. So it's basically about, it's a, it's a kind of small documentary on this barber shop in this slow town of America. Yeah, fa- family-run barber Yeah, shop in with, Venice, California. With the guy, uh, the guy who... Who owns it or has been running it from his father? Yeah, he's, he, kind of voicing he's it inherited over. it from his father. He used to like be a shoeshine boy. When you watch, you know, certain things that are really well shot on on film, especially something like sixteen mil, yeah, you, you really feel it feels different. I gotta say, I I really really liked it. Yeah, you out, were a fan out, of this. Out of the shorts that we've watched so far, that's that I gotta say it's my favorite. Ooh. Part part the part of the reason yeah, no, is um, fair, not not, not like they've all been pretty good, but um part of the reason is don't even all, know why we went all. <laughs> it's a good it's a good, it's a good, it's a good short. <laughs> where, where I went um when I was a kid, where I used to uh, get my hair cut in the local town. Um, it used to be it was an Italian ran place. Um, by mm. this guy I forget his name. And he ran it, and he'd it'd been in the family for That's cool. years, and then he retired, and his daughters took over. Yeah. So it kind of it did partly remind me of that because it's the same. It's a family, family, yeah, family yeah, barbers, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, and I really liked it. Just the just the feel of it was yeah, just the vibe, so natural, natural, it was cool, like, yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, and the, it's not it's cool that he's been around for ages. Again, yeah, it's, I quite liked. I mean, it's a small thing. I I just liked the end shot when he looks up and walks and walks away. I don't know. There's something yeah. about the way that the shop was framed that just made it feel like this little shop is there's a whole world in here. And yeah, you, yeah. You just think it's I'll, a barbershop. How obviously it's 16 mil. The thing is, like, uh, the frame of it's tight, right? Yeah. So it's, uh, I think it's 411. Yeah. Uh, more, more along the lines of a 401 ratio. And so in that sense, like, the rest of the world almost doesn't exist. You just have this tight box. Cause what you're looking at is what you're yeah. looking at. Yeah. This is all he has, this is all he cares for. Yeah. So is when you try to dissect this a little more like that, uh, I think it, it it shows appreciation that it, they didn't just film it on a sixty mil for the sake of shooting on a sixty mil, yeah. which nowadays can be like oh an indulgence when you have all these digital cameras. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it actually looks like a cre- creative a choice. Yeah, yeah which uh, I I think if so, then it's uh, more more power to you. I always like films as well where it's like a small snippet about someone's craft because he, he he made the he did make the point that he sees it you know he takes pride in his work yeah yeah, yeah. seen families and sons and daughters and yeah he's gener- cool. generational type generational thing, thing yeah. 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 yeah so Life of a Barber by Joji Baratelli check that out something I forgot to mention earlier and I noticed this in First Man actually the extreme close ups on people's faces that kept it really interesting in First Man they do the same thing Whiplash does the same thing when he's drumming a lot of time it's on his face tight or on his hands yeah or on the bit where the yeah, yeah. the rim, stick yeah. The rim. Um, so it's because yeah. uh, I remember watching an interview with Miles Teller and he was like oh yeah so he, at the same time he was filming Fantastic Four by Just Drank uh, on that they had about 18 up to 18 12 to 18 sets up, set tubs a day whereas on uh, Whiplash although in indie type of film yeah. they had about 112 setups wow which is in 112 to 142 I might be mixing something like that. I, th- I might be wrong but El Mariachi I think had 60 yeah which people thought was yeah, a yeah, lot yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now you got here another another indie filmmaker, yeah. right? That's who, fast. Who's who's doubled it now? And you have to remember that 
all those setups t- have takes, right? And all uh, during those takes, Miles is drumming for real. So he's sweating it out. You know, for him, it's actually exactly. exhausting, exhausting physically. It. It's interesting, though, because so those close-ups uh, serve two different purposes in, in Whiplash and First Man, let's say. Mm. In First Man, when he uh, when a person dies or something, or when his daughter dies, yeah. he goes in on a tight close-up. And it's kind of unnerving and unsettling to be in a tight close-up with this person who's just lost someone. So yeah. you, it's uncomfortable to be that close to someone who's going through something so much. Yeah. Whereas in, in uh, Whiplash, it it serves the purpose of being so intense because you're you're tight with this person who's really giving it all, sweating it all, blood going on, um, and you're like shit, give this guy a, re- a break, you know, yeah. like you're rooting for this guy to be to give a break. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's it's interesting how those two close-ups, same thing, really, same technique. They're serving different purposes yeah. in these films. Guy Madeline. Yeah, if you can find it, watch it. It's really hard to track down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> As we, all we found managed out. to, but yeah. But yeah, I I thought the I just thought it was a really interesting. The, f- yeah, the single hurdle is the, the editing. I think that you need to get over. If you're you need watch to get this. over. Your, yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's when definitely this, worth watching it for that five minute scene, though. Yeah, I mean, when watching this, you have to remember films, documenting films like stuff from Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, they work differently. Coffee and cigarettes. They work differently to a to a normal. Yeah. feature yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, as you would it's more documentary Studio would not give money to this no it's although you know in some respects maybe well where did you get that 60 grand but maybe they did give money to it because it kind of is like a precursor to, to La La Land you know? yeah but no he tried so just a quick side note yeah. he tried pitching La La Land this is how he did it yeah so um, this is a musical remember this is uh, 2014 I think it yeah. is yeah. Um, so yeah this is a musical uh, a love story but they don't end up together <laughs> and I need 30 mil <laughs> and nobody gave him the money yeah, yeah. So that was a good good side note to a thing that not everyone can make La La Land. Um, Although there is a zombie movie with, uh, as a musical as well, and I forget the name of it again. What, is it like a piss take of La La Land? Kind of, uh, but it's like Shaun Dead mixed with La La Land. That sounds good, what's it called? The movie is called Anna and the Apocalypse. It's a 2018 Christmas zombie musical horror movie. Christmas zombie (laughs) musical. (laughs) That's a must watch. So, I think that's it. We've explored Giselle's movie making so far pretty yeah. well, I think. Definitely more to come. Definitely more to come. I'm really excited to see where, he, uh, where he next? goes. We're going to have to actually say rather than ominously tease. Yeah, sorry about that one. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, <laughs> we're we just going to come out with it. So, although I don't think many people will know, which I think is even more interesting because this movie has just come out on Amazon Prime and you should go and watch it. I just remembered who, who it is. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at Ben Askers. I'm like, I think it's on Amazon Prime. But anyway. Um, it is, it is, it is. It the is. filmmaker should be front is... Page. Filmmaker's Jim Cummings. He's uh, he's made one feature film. He's making a second one. So he's, yeah, and uh, it's called Thunder Road. Well, we'll cover it in the next episode, but basically there is a short on Vimeo called Thunder Road. So if you type in Thunder Road into Vimeo, yeah, you'll you watch the short, your prologue. It's basically one scene from the feature, and then you can watch uh, Thunder Road on, on Prime. Or there's it's out it's out on loads of different streaming things, but that's what we're going to cover, and it's going to be exciting because Thunder Road is it's a wicked, dope. wicked yes. movie. It's a that's solid movie. One. It's a solid film. Can't wait. JC is going to be good. JC is going to be good. Good time for Jim Cummings and Jim Cummings. So all right, it's bye from me. It's bye from Sparrow. Adios. Bye from Benas. Later. See ya. And thanks for listening, and catch you on the next episode.